Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to John Con Report. Wherever you get your podcast, you're watching on YouTube. God bless you, man. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated. When you tune in, don't forget you can read my work on ESPN.com and a couple programming notes, film review on Tuesday morning, live stream show with Bram Weinstein, the voice of the commanders and I, Tuesday night, 7.30 Eastern time. You're probably wondering why I'm doing this from home because I did record a podcast from Seattle Stadium, but something kind of got messed up with it. So I'm re-recording it after landing on the red eye. So if my thoughts sound incoherent, just blame the six hour red eye flight where I didn't get very much sleep. So let's try to make sense of what happened yesterday. And I don't know what to tell you, man, because this team, there's a lot of things that you say, oh, okay, if let's, let's go back to the beginning of the year. If someone had told you that Sam Howell is going to be doing what he's been doing lately, or he's put up the numbers that he has, 17 touchdowns, nine interceptions, last three weeks has been really good. What would you think their record would be knowing what the defense did last year. They certainly wouldn't be four and six. I would have thought, listen, if the defense had just played pretty average, just be middle of the pack. Like, did I think they were, did I think they were a top five defense? No, but you thought they could be a top 10 defense based on what they did last year, based on what they also did not only last year, but bleeding into the second half of 2021 where they were a solid unit. For the second half of that year, the stats back it up. And you can, you know, you can always look at well, the quarterbacks they played. A lot of defenses face that. That's part of the NFL. But it wasn't just built on that. And even if you account for that, you can't account from going to where the, from where they were last year to where they are now. And I think that has to be probably as big a disappointment as any, in that they found they look certainly look like they found a quarterback for the first time in in decade or for first time in a while. And it's not being taken advantage of because the defense has been bad. And they were bad once again yesterday. The reason why I was reluctant, I didn't pick Washington in this game, is specifically because of the defense. And in fact, I think I had like a three-point margin of victory. I just didn't think that, I thought the defense would give up too many big plays. And they always do. And it's one of the things like last week when they didn't give up more, they only gave up a couple but there was so much more available and it's been consistently available all year. So that's why I, unless Washington had the ball last in a tie game driving, I thought they would lose. And even before that last drive, I was talking to someone in the press box just said, what do you think happens? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of obvious. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to drive down. They're going to hit a big play on, they're going to hit a big pass play and get in position to kick a field goal. Wasn't difficult to predict that because that's what keeps happening to this defense. And it's the consistently botching or or not adhering to the details 
of their jobs and it's spread throughout. And you can certainly blame the players because it's not like they don't know or haven't been told what to do. But if that message ain't getting through, man, at some point it's, you stop blaming the, you just, you just, you clearly never just blame the players. It's a group effort. And that means coaches as well. And so it all goes together, but what it adds up to is a massive disappointment and a massive waste of what, um, of what Sam Howell is doing. And not that they'd be some Super Bowl contender based on that, but they'd certainly, you could look at their records. Oh yeah, that could be flipped. And I know the giants game, I mean, the defense only, only gave up 14 points. And so you would expect to win in a game like that, but they got dominated in the first half. You know, and and but the offense only scored seven points. You're not you're not going to win any games doing that. So, but the bottom line is defense has not been good, and that that has, you know, I mean, it's just it's bad. So, what does this loss mean? And I'm going to get to Sam Hall in a minute because that's what we're going to start focusing on because that's where this team can build, and I think that was a very positive sign to see what he did. So it's important to recognize what he did, why he's doing it, and what it means for the future. Because really, at this point, four and six, that's what they're playing for, man. And you know, with the staff, I you know, you know where this is headed if this doesn't somehow turn around. And I know they can always talk about well, there's more ball left. There's this. There's that. Yes, there is more ball left. There's seven more games to go. Yes, they conceivably could turn it around, and and do something. But you got to show signs that you're capable of doing it. And defensively, they have not. And they have some pretty good offenses coming up. Dallas twice, Miami, San Francisco. Then you may have the Jets with Aaron Rodgers. You know, you also have the Los Angeles, you have the Rams in there too on the road. And so it's not easy. Their, their finish is the reverse of what New York opened with. And it could get like that if they're not careful. And I don't see like they had to win a game like Sunday if they really realistically wanted to to think about contending for the playoffs. And they've been in all these games, but it's as details and it's it keeps happening with this defense. And it's 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 not as simple as saying, oh, Jack Del Rio is the worst coach ever because the defense was good last year. And I felt like they did a good job in those areas. So it's not like it just, so it's, there's a, again, it's always a group effort. It's never as simple as, Hey, this guy's the worst coach ever. Now, is it, you know, you get into the staff and all that. And I don't, I don't know that you're going to, it's the Greg Williams defensive staff was phenomenal. I don't view this staff the same way, but what happened in one year that it's gone from where it was to where it is. And again, you can't, there are times where you look at the defense and say, well, you know that they've been like the rush discipline. Well, you know what they, they emphasize that. And then it doesn't happen all the time. So why is that? Who's, who's that fault? Who's that fault for that? You know, coaches can't go out there and take somebody by the hand and lead them into this play. I mean, Benjamin St. Just has made a number of plays where it's like, that's, you know, he knows he's not taught to play it that way. And then he does. So it's not, and it's not just him. This is all over. And so, you know, Keep playing like this, man. Change is going to happen. So re, whatever. So, but the other thing with that is that what, again, that's what this means, that you had to win this game to set yourself up to think about, can you then make it with a nine win season? And they're just not there because you, again, there's enough time left, but you've got to show that you can put some uh, four good quarters together defensively. And you're going to have to do it now against offenses that are pretty damn good. Good luck with that. 
And so I think that's that's where they're at with it. And it's, you know, again, it's unfortunate because of what Howell is doing, but it, you know, the deep again, the detail. So big plays. It's been big play after big play every week. Third, you know, they have a third and four to Metcalf seven on the last drive, 17 yards. Metcalf for 27 on a second and 10. On the touchdown drive, on the previous drive, fourth down and five at the 39, you get defensive pass interference. And talking to St. Juiced afterwards, he felt you could see the way he positioned, the way he played that play, that he was anticipating something else other than a slant. Because the way his feet are, he's anticipating him running, as he said, a seven round. So going out to, you know, a more a corner route. And he did not run that. Now, I will say that I didn't mind the play call there because they had ran his own blitz and F.A. Obata drops into what should be the slant area. Except I don't think he drops into the slant area. Details. And if you do, then you you have a different, you have an obstruction in the way for Geno Smith. So that, I don't know where he was kind of, he kind of drifted to the outside and maybe that's what he was supposed to do. If that's the case, it doesn't make sense because there was nothing out there that he was going to, unless he thought it was going to be a little quick hitch. But then if that's, a, again, if that's the case, then those guys both played it kind of differently because St. Jude's playing for a corner and when he comes inside, then he gets very handsy with them. And, but that's what, that's kind of what St. Juice has been. He does get very handsy and he gave up a lot of inside pressure on, on the 27 yard at a Metcalf on that game winning drive. It plays him to inside help, but, he, but Metcalf is able to create separation at the, at when he, when he's cutting inside against St. Juice. And yeah, I think St. Juice can be a good corner. I don't think he's your premier corner. That's the guy they need to get. And that's the guy that Emmanuel Forbes was, they hoped could become. But even Forbes would not be a good matchup for a guy like Metcalf. And Metcalf is, is obviously a very good receiver. But I've seen other guys like Deontay Banks, I felt, did a really good job against him earlier this year. So it's not like he's, he's certainly not unguardable. But I do think like that, you add that to the list of what this team needs in the offseason is find a way to get a high level corner. And again, you had you, that's what you thought you were drafting in Forbes. Maybe he still gets there. Maybe he does. And, you know, because one year is not going to be enough to say, and there are things that you like about him, things that he has some really good traits that you can build off of. Um, by the way, the penalty, I thought it was a legit penalty. I was surprised at the ejection, but it was absolutely, and of course it was a legit penalty and it wasn't a football play. You're going at the helmet um, years ago. That, that may have been, it's not anymore. Um, KJ Henry last week made a football play and got and got hosed on that. Um, but this was not. And so again, the details just keep keep um continuing to to hurt them. After the game, St. Juice blamed himself for the loss. And it's never as simple as, and I brought his name up a few times, right? But it's never as simple as blaming one guy for a loss. So many plays go into it, and there's so many. Times, I mean, Joey Sly misses a, an extra point that you absolutely needed. You don't, you know, when you're on the road, you can't give up points. But, you know, there's many, many things that happen. Um, Percy Butler misses a tackle on the open field of the Walker catch and run for a touchdown. Danny Johnson slips and falls on that play, you know, and, and, and that, so that stuff keeps happening to these guys. And even on that play, I think I think it was Obata kind of gets washed inside and it clears an outside lane for Smith to kind of maneuver outside and get the ball to Walker. So, you know, again, details. And not that everything's going to be a detail perfect all the time. That's when you need playmakers to to then compensate. And, for example, I mean, on Washington's first touchdown, that was not a well-run play. 
That was a guy that was, those were guys adjusting on the fly to make a play and, and they did it. And Seattle's done, Seattle did that some too. So you, you know, that's, as they say, both sides get paid, right? But this team consistently defensively has just been terrible this year. And, and it's, and it's all over, you know, it wasn't trading chase young and Montez sweat did not lead to this. They were playing this way with those guys. And, you know, you can debate if you want, if you feel grouchy about that trade still fine, but they were playing this way with them. They just had two guys who could make some plays and with Montez, it was never about, oh, they don't think he can play. And I don't think with Chase, I don't think it's a matter of that either. I think Chase showed that on Sunday. He can, I thought he'd go out there and make plays because he's he's he was rushing pretty well. It's just that within what they want to do, I think they just kind of got tired of banging their head on a wall with them, but also the knee. And so they knew they weren't going to keep him after this year. So you get what you can now. The result is you don't have playmakers on those ends, potential playmakers, regardless of whatever else issues they may have brought. Um, you just, you don't have that. And, but I don't look at that and say like, can you still win with these guys? Yes. Cause they did it before. And, but when you're playing this way in the back seven, you're not going to win because you just give up too much stuff. And, you know, again, missed tackles, whatever you want to call it, that's the problem. And it's going to lead and it's led to four and six, and it's led to certainly not a future that, that this staff will be looking forward to because, we're now starting to to we're now going down the inevitable road um, again. I'm always going to say unless they turn around because you never know. I mean, we've seen things before that have been crazy in this league um, w- with this team, with this franchise. Where it's like I didn't see that run coming, but you know I didn't see a horrible season coming for this group either because of what I thought how could get to, and I thought at, at the worst the defense would be middle of the pack. I mean they're not, they're bottom of the pack. That's the shocking part. It's not that they're not a top 10 or a top five unit because that can be a hard thing to do and things have to go right. But I'm surprised by how poorly I thought I feel like the secondaries played all year, not making plays, not, you know, not creating takeaways and, and, and giving up big plays. That is a problem. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Our favorite off-season sponsor is back to help you get a jump start on your holiday giving. The Adventure Park at Sandy Springs' biggest sale of the year starts November 17th. Save 30% or more on climbing and ziplining gift certificates, season passes, axe-throwing packages, and more. Purchases never expire. This holiday season, give the gift of adventure at the country's largest ropes course and zipline park located right here in Montgomery County, Maryland. 
named Best Amusement Park in the DMV two years in a row, this is an opportunity you won't want to miss. The sale starts Friday, November 17th and runs until Christmas Day. The earlier you buy, the bigger the savings. The best deals won't last. Visit www.theadventurepark.com slash time today to get early access to the biggest deals. Again, that's www.theadventurepark.com slash time. Let's stick with the secondary for a minute because I did want to add, I know some people asked me after the game about the, um, the, the penalty on, on, or the ejection on um, Forbes. So I want to read from Senior Vice President of Officiating, Walt Anderson, Nikki Javala is our pool reporter. So she went and got the quote from it and asked him about it. You know, it was obviously called because defenseless player. And she asked, what determined the ejection? They said at the game here that upon further review, they decided it was grounds for ejection. And Anderson said, right, yes. Rule 19 allows New York, because New York basically consulted with them, Rule 19 allows New York, whenever a flag is thrown for unnecessary roughness on the field, it allows for us to take a further look. What we're looking to try to avoid is helmet-to-helmet contact. It was certainly not a bang-bang type play where you have both the defender and the receiver just playing for the ball. We want players to stay away from helmet-to-helmet contact. We're also looking at it. Is the defender making the attempt to play the ball or is he making no attempt to separate the ball from the player in terms of going straight for the head? In this case, it was the latter where he just went straight to the head and that's why it rose to the level of disqualification. So there you go. Whether you agree with it or not, that's that's why they did it. Now he's he's going to clearly get fined. Now the question is, does he get suspended? And I think that's that's the question now because, um, you know, and I will say this, if you're suspended for the Giants game, is <laughs> you know, with that passing attack, with that team, but we all know what happens here against them. And so they, you know, that, that's going to become, that obviously is a big game. You can't lose that game at home, but because if you do, it's just going to get really ugly. I feel like at that stadium with the fan base. And I'll be honest, man, I don't blame you guys for being frustrated because, you know, this has not been good football. Um, What has been good has been Sam Howell. But before I get to him, I want to get to the run game for a minute because, they did start to do better. They ran They had a couple nice drives with the run run game in the second half. The thing I wonder about with the run game, because in the first half, they only ran the ball five times. You go back and look at those at the time, and sometimes like, okay, and one, I think it was a zero or two-yard run by Robinson up the middle where Wiley allows um, uh, the defensive end to to crash inside, plays him, thought he was coming up field, crashes inside, makes a stop. If he doesn't make the stop, it's a five-yard game. And there were a couple of times like that. There was another time where there was um, just, it just felt like there's, there's certainly no rhythm to the run game and the run game becomes an afterthought. Like, okay, let's give Sam's arm a rest. Let's run the ball. And it's hard to build up any sort of momentum that way. And not that it, again, not that they have to be a run oriented team. I get that they're not. And they're, and it's not going to happen. You can, you'll bang your head on the wall trying to convince Eric Bieniemy to go that way. And I'm, I don't know that that's the best way for them, but certainly a better mix could help. And I, but I do think, uh, you know, I, or even just a more efficient run game could help. And I don't, you know, I don't feel, I mean, they're so, even I think it was Cosme said, you know, just they're said one dimension, called it one dimensional, right? And that's what they've been. They're one dimensional. So if you're able to kind of limit some stuff there, which they've been doing a good job there, 
Um, but if you can limit it there against a better defense, you're going to be in trouble because they just haven't proven they can do it. But I also wonder how it affects the offensive line because one sometimes I'm wondering, and part of the reason it came up with Cosme is I did ask him, you know, you always hear about a back needing to get into a rhythm with the run game. How much does a lineman have to get in that? And, I, and that's where he starts talking about, of course, they want to run the ball more and, and you know, just you can't be one dimensional in this league. And that's what they that's largely what they've been a lot of times these games. And fortunately for them, that Hall is making plays, and they do have some guys with McLaurin and you know others that can that can make some plays. But I do wonder about that because there are definitely times where you look at the run game and just some of the missed blocks um, or Chris Paul inability to get to a second level a couple times. You know, out of the I formation, it's it hasn't been working quite that well. I like the play action out of that early on, but it hasn't been it hasn't been effective lately. So you know, I just I. I Again, the answer isn't to just turn to a 60-40 run split. I'm not saying that, but the way they are, they're so pass heavy that I just wonder, can you offset some things by being able to run the ball a little bit better? And can you do that by giving it a few, giving them a few more runs early in the game? Now, the other key to that is they did it last week against New England more. It was converting third downs, and they weren't doing that yesterday, and that's part of the problem. So let's get to Sam Howell because that he's the you know I'm saving him for last because this is what. I think the takeaway from that game is you already knew what the defense was. They played up to what you thought they were. But you, what you really need to see right now is the continued development of Sam Howell, and you're seeing it. And just a couple stats, like the first seven games, and this is a sack percentage stat. This is a key stat because over the over the years, you know, your sack percentage rate kind of can help dictate or show where you're going to go as a quarterback. And for the first seven weeks, there's a little, it was almost 11. It was over 10 and a half percent for Sam Howell. That's extre extremely high. That's, you know, that's a, a level you do not want to be at. And it's not, and, and it's not sustainable. The last three games, it's at 4.6%. And that's fantastic for him. So a lot of that is, you know, some of that's play calling, some of that's better protection, and then I also think a lot of it is how recognizing, and I even asked him this afterwards, like, does he feel like he's getting into more of a rhythm with things or that, you know, that is he able to avoid pressure by feeling it, sensing it, knowing, it, anticipating it's coming. And he did feel like he's doing a better jo job in some pre-snap reads of anticipating pressure. And sometimes there's like, I told you they play against New England where it, right before Brian Robertson's touchdown run where he gets out of there a little bit hot because he thought they were running a cover zero, but he anticipated it. And he still got put himself in a position to make a clean throw, but it's the it's where he's anticipating it is what he feels is helping him avoid some of these issues. Now, on the first touchdown, going to credit Cosme as well because it was going to be a slant. It looked like a um, or some sort of quick throw to McLaurin on the right side or somebody on the right side. And then Jamal Adams just has a little bit of delayed blitz, which he does. And then Cosme nudges him enough to give Howell the chance to then tuck the ball and get to his left. I say tuck the ball because then for a defense, you're thinking he's going to run. His eyes are staying upfield. And so he's got his eyes on Robinson and he just kind of flings a sidearm there to him. That's play. That's, that's a playmaker, man. And that's, that's something that a lot of other, you know, that other teams have that this team hasn't had the guy like that. Well, I know Taylor, but Taylor wasn't quite like this. And, and I think that's the the thing for how that you should be encouraged about is where that kid is going. And I think that was another example of it, just keeping the eyes downfield, feeling, sensing the pressure, getting out of there. And, and the line did a good job giving him that ability. And I think that's good. His leadership is very strong. He's not, 
He's not a grab you by the throat. Let's go do this kind of leader. He is a, he is a relatable guy who knows how to get along with teammates because he's just himself. He's very natural. I think that goes a long way with guys, especially at that position. I've been around guys at this position here um, who have not been, who have maybe been, I guess, I wouldn't call him not phony, but trying too hard to relate to everybody. I think Hal just does. I think Alex Smith just did. I think Taylor Heineke just did. I think that go that really is a is a big thing because I think th- this line really likes blocking for him or playing with him, and I think you know he's a very genuine person with how what he says. It's not the stuff he says doesn't come across as rehearsed. It comes across as very mature and thoughtful with just his answers and understanding. I think he understands the responsibilities that go with playing the position both on the field and off. How you accept the blame and, and, and just, and, you know, especially in defeat and how you say, you know, whatever happens, like you got to do better. And that's kind of what he does, but it's also, he just always has an act for saying the right thing. I think a lot of that goes to how he was raised and because in his dad was a high school coach. So I'm, I'm sure he got really good training and understanding the responsibilities of the position. I think it's clear to say that, you know, regardless of who's coaching here next year, you should feel good about where this kid is headed and you know i would think i would think they'll probably win enough to stay out of the top 10 of the draft so you it, let's say they have a, do have a new coach to me i'm going to try and build around how and just see continue trying to do that you have a lot to invest that you can build around him and if in a few years you say okay he's plateaued he's whatever well now you should in theory we've heard this in theory you should have a stronger roster to then maybe go find a guy, right? Um, but I think Hall has clearly shown that given the right parameters, whether it's play calling, you know, improved protection, especially in the interior, and then just the more comfortable he gets, the more he's making plays. And so whatever happens from here on out, like his development will be absolutely the key. And there are some, again, he's got some good pass rush teams coming up, <laughs> Dallas, San Francisco, so that's going to be something to watch. How do they handle that? Because that will be a key part of his growth. Um, and I think that will tell a lot where he's going to go because right now the trajectory looks pretty good. And I think you just saw a lot of plays that that you really liked. And the touchdown pass to De'Ami Brown, he had time. But it's a key part in the game. It's third and 10. I like that he stayed in the pocket. He stayed in the pocket. He stayed in the pocket. De'Ami has enough of a window, puts in a puts in a highly accurate, accurate throw, and Diami takes it for a touchdown with a little run after the catch. But it was just a really good job by Howell being patient at a crucial time in the game. And again, there was, the line did a great job holding up in protection on that particular play. But it was, you know, I, I think it, he didn't try to get out of there. He, he's not looking to escape. He's looking to make the big play. And I think that lends itself to making big plays. And that, you know, it's funny because I told you last week, I've been talking to Kurt Warner for a story I'm writing on how later this week. And one of the things he said that, you know, he, one of the things he really likes about how that he also had was wanting to make that big play. It's like, that's not something you can coach. You have that. Now you can scale it back a little bit and kind of work with them to get to the check downs, whatever, but it's really hard to take a guy who is not, does not have that mentality and then get him to have that mentality. It's just, it's really, really hard. But Howell has that, and I think that's a good place to start. Now, it led to some issues early on, but so the protection wasn't great. I think the play calling put him in some bad spots with it as well. But Howell had to learn. And, you know, I, th- I also thought that there were times where guys were getting into him, he was getting sacked, 
but you also had a young quarterback. You knew you had to build a better wall in front of him and they didn't do that. So I think you're seeing that when he has adequate protection, what he can do, but also the more knowledge he gets. And this is the other thing Warner would say that, you know, he would, he would study, he would study his team as much as more than the defense. So he could have the answers to everything, knowing where everybody was going to be at every moment. So that way, if there's pressure, you know, okay, I got this over here. I'm going over here. That's the kind of stuff that you can get to. And that can, I don't know that how can get to that because Kurt Warner is a hall of famer, but he certainly looks like he's doing a better job of anticipating situations and throws or pressure. And I think that's, that's a good development for him. Last, last, since week four, I think it is, he has 14 touchdowns, most in the NFL, tied for most with Dak Prescott. Now he's the only one in that group of, who has more than 10 touchdowns in that time, who has played seven games still. It's why I say, you know, in the sacks, seven sacks last three games, been a huge improvement. And I just think that, you know, your takeaway from this one is like, I think you knew that the defense was, is what it is, but maybe they, you know, but you can certainly say that at least be feeling good about what they have with a young quarterback going forward. And I don't think you need to keep the staff around just to build around him. I don't, I think it's as much about he can develop with anybody. The hard part would be a new offense for a third year in a row. Never ideal for a young quarterback, but I think he's shown that in this situation, you you had a new offense, you had a, a sub a subpar offensive line, and you still made it work. So that's why you should feel good about him. They haven't they haven't really they have not finished building around him. If this were a Philly situation where you had this great line and you have all this talent around you and he wasn't producing, well, then you know it's him. Here, you need to still continue to build to see how high that kid can go. So anyway. Wanted to end on that one so you maybe feel a little bit better going into the week and, you know, for this big Giants game with Tommy DeVito and a chance to get to five and six to get them talking about, well, if you beat Dallas at six and six, again, you're going to have to beat a few of those teams. It's not just one win. That's why that Seattle game was so big and it's why the Chicago losses and Giants loss stung so hard. And after that game yesterday, I can tell you, like, there were some just very glum faces. I think, you know, Rivera certainly looked like he had been punched in the gut few times um i just think that one there in for what you know it's a last second win or loss so that's obviously going to sting a lot more but you're also four and six you know what's ahead and you know can you turn it around so anyway that's it for me folks appreciate you tuning in i'll be back tuesday morning with a little film review tuesday night 7 30 eastern time with bram weinstein the voice of commanders therapy tuesday folks talk to you next time <laughs>